Good, good, good. Welcome to those of you in the auditorium. Welcome to everybody joining online. My name is Kunle. I'm the lead pastor here at the Cornerstone Church. And as always, I'm glad that you could join us this morning. We are in the middle of a um, series entitled Relationship Matters, which is something we do every year. Just to remind you that next week is the last week of the series, but next week we have two sessions. We have the morning service as per usual. Then we have a break and then we have a Q&A session. So we have guests that are coming in next week. Uh, Reverend Timothy and Adua from the Place of Grace Church will be with us next Sunday. They'll be taking the service. Then we have a break. We're going to have some things going on in the break. We're going to have some hangout spots that you'll be able to go to during the break. And then we're going to come back for a Q&A session that will last about 45 minutes to an hour. So we're just giving you the heads up so that you can plan ahead and so that you can make plans to be there. We know that a lot of times when we share in the service, there's not an opportunity to answer questions. So we're giving you the opportunity to do so after service next week. And this coming Thursday, during Connection Group, as Pastor Emmanuel mentioned, we've turned over the Thursdays to Relationship Matters. So you'll be able to ask me any questions on what I'm going to share today, or even questions that I might not have, um, questions on things that I might not have covered today on Thursday as well. So do join us for that. Another thing I quickly want to say, it wasn't in the announcement, so it wasn't planned, is if you would like to be baptized, so you haven't been baptized, or perhaps you were baptized when you were younger, or you did it not fully knowing, or being conscious of what you were doing, and you would like to be baptized, then please let one of the leaders know before you go. So um, Lola, PE, raise your hand. Pastor Grace, raise your hand. Any other leader who's around whose name I haven't mentioned, please raise your hand. See them after service, Chimmer as well, and just let them know. We have plans to have a baptismal service in September, but I actually have it on my heart to bring it forward to around the Easter period. And I think it will be a great time for people to get baptized. So if you want to get baptized, we need to know so that we can put plans in earnest sooner rather than later. So please do let us know. All right. Do you have your Bibles? Yes. All right. Turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verses 11 through to 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through to 15. And it reads as follows. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Everyone say own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Today, I want to speak from the topic, dating, marriage, and relationship matters. Dating, marriage, and relationship matters. So turn to the person next to you and tell them, today we're talking about dating, marriage, and relationship matters. What I want to do in the time that we have together is talk about a few mistakes, common mistakes, 
that I see single people make when it comes to dating, trying to find someone that they want to be with, mistakes that people in relationships and those who are engaged make, and mistakes that uh, married people make. Then I want to offset that by talking about some solutions, some tools, some tips, some principles that we can apply to offset those things so that we can grow in our relationships, in our marriages. Now, it's not possible for me to cover all the mistakes that are out there. One, because we don't have time. And two, there's too many for me to even be able to comprehend. Likewise, I'm not going to be able to cover every solution. And I say that because sometimes people will come to me and say, it was a good sermon, but you didn't cover this. It's not possible to cover everything. So I'm going to do my best to cover a few common things. Then, as I say, we have an opportunity on Thursday for questions and answers. And I want to start this morning by talking to the single people. And I want to talk about a mistake that I see quite commonly happen now, more than ever, with single people. And so the first thing that I want to say, and the first point that I want to address when it comes to single people, the mistake that I see them make is being unequally yoked. Being unequally yoked. In the scripture that we just read, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, which is a number of churches across a region, across an area. And there is a lot that's happening amongst these churches. There's jealousy, there's lawsuits, there's people that are envying one another, there's immorality, there's carnality, there's so much going on. And one of the issues that he addresses is this issue of being unequally yoked. And he makes it very clear, as we saw in scripture, that everything the people were doing had nothing to do with God, but was down to their own affections. It was down to their own choices, their own desire, their own will. And in the middle of writing to them, he says to them, do not be unequally yoked. Now, to give you some context as to what he's talking about, he is not talking about not being friends with people who are not saved. He is talking about entering into any covenant and any covenant relationship with an unbeliever of which marriage is a covenant, and I would go as further to say is a biblical covenant. So it applies to marriage. Now you might be thinking, but hold on a second, Pastor Kay, you said that you're talking to the single people. Well, I'd like to think that as a believer, you don't date for fun. You date because you eventually want to get married to the person that you're dating. So I'm addressing this now so that you can start as you mean to go on. And when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, what fellowship does light have to do with darkness? This is the comparison that he makes between a believer and an unbeliever. And he says, what does lawless, lawlessness have to do with righteousness? And then he says, what part does Christ have to play with Belial? Many of us know the Christ that Paul was referring to in the scripture, but many of us may not be familiar with who this Belial is that he is referring to. Well, there's a couple of schools of thought. Some scholars believe that the term Belial is just a reference to anything wicked and evil. In the Hebrew and the Greek, the word means worthlessness or unworthy. It also means wickedness. But there's another school of thought. And if you've been coming to this church for a while, you will know that as part of my studies, I studied at University of Theology and Religious Studies, we studied the book of Corinthians, we studied demonology, and one of the names that came up was this name, Belial. 
And it was believed that he was known as the demon second in charge to Satan himself, known as the demon of confusion and lust. So either which school of thought you go with, none are good. And the Apostle Paul says, this is how extreme it is when a believer makes a decision to get with an unbeliever. Now again, when he is referring to being unequally yoked, he is using a term in reference as a metaphor to animals. I'm going to show you exactly what he meant in a moment. But let me tell you what happens when somebody is unequally yoked. First of all, when you are unequally yoked, you disobey God's word. Therefore, you are sinning. And you cannot ask God to bless what is contrary to his word. And I say that because now more than ever, I'm seeing people who are unequally yoked going to the altar and asking God to bless their marriage. He cannot bless sin. And unfortunately, we're living in a day and age where people want to pick and choose which scriptures to abide by. So they say, oh, it says do not be unequally yoked. But hey, that's old school. Forget that. I'll go ahead and do what I'm doing. Oh, this scripture about blessing my marriage, I'll take that and apply it to my life. It doesn't work like that. You don't get to pick and choose which scripture you want to live when you want to live it. The second thing that happens when you are unequally yoked is that you actually dishonor God. And what many people don't understand about being unequally yoked is that a lot of times the challenges with being unequally yoked are not immediate in the first few years of the marriage. It's later on down the line when it comes to values, when it comes to raising children, when it comes to particular decisions, that that whole idea of being unequally yoked begins to surface. And thirdly, when you are unequally yoked, you actually put yourself at a disadvantage when it comes to carrying the day-to-day challenges of life. Now, I want to show you a picture of what it means to be unequally yoked and what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, do not be unequally yoked. The picture that will appear on our screens in a moment is two animals that are yoked together. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about. They are bound together by the bar and the rope that goes across their head and goes across their neck. Now, if you look towards the back of the picture, apart from the young boy that's photobombing, you will see that there is a cart And the way it would work is that they would put cargo, they would put load onto that cart, and then the animals would drag the cart together. My question to you is, who do you think has the the hardest in this picture? The lighter animal or the darker animal? The lighter animal, right? This is what it means to be unequally yoked. When you're unequally yoked, Not do you just have to carry the cargo, the day-to-day stresses of life, because marriage in and of itself, even with a believer, is tough, let alone with an unbeliever. Not do you have to just carry the day-to-day stresses of life. You also have to carry along someone with you who doesn't have the same belief, the same systems, the same values, the same mindset as you do. So it makes it twice as hard because you're carrying the load, but you're also carrying someone along with you as well and what would actually happen was if you were not equally yoked and you were unequally yoked like this you would actually go around in circles you would not make movement you would not make progress this is what the apostle paul meant when he said do not be unequally yoked tell the person next to you do not be unequally yoked 
And so rather, the next picture we're going to show you is of two animals who are equally yoked. They are equally yoked. They can, my wife said they're so cute, imagine. They are equally yoked. They can carry the load of life together because they have the same values, the same beliefs, the same systems, the same faith, okay? Now, there's a couple of reasons why people end up being unequally yoked. The first is quite obvious. People make that decision to be with someone who's not saved, whether it's from a lack of trust that God is going to make a way, so they take things into their own hands. They look at time, they look at age, and they think, hold on, I'm getting on. Let me make the decision for myself, and therefore they end up becoming unequally yoked. But that's not actually the most common way in which people become unequally yoked. The second way, which is the most common way in which people become unequally yoked, is that they unfortunately get with somebody who is in the church under the presumption that because they're in the church, they're off the faith. But the scripture tells us that Jesus would say in the last days that many will say, but Lord, I prophesied in your name, I cast out demons in your name, and he will say, I never knew you. Now think about that for a moment. He didn't say you were once of me, and now you no longer are. He said, I never knew you. I don't know if you catch how deep that scripture is because for him to say, I never knew you to people who were casting out demons and prophesying in his name means that it is possible to be serving in a church and not have a relationship with God. And if you can serve in a church and not have a relationship with God, how much more the people who come and sit in the church when it comes to their relationship? with God. And sometimes people end up being unequally yoked because they think this person grew up in a Christian home, therefore they must be a Christian. They live by Christian values, so they say, or because they're in the church. But the scripture says it's by their fruit that you shall know them. And actually, as you mature as a believer, you become more discerning as to whether the person you're actually talking to and getting to know is a Christian by their lifestyle, or whether they're just Christian by words, by name, by title. Do not be unequally yoked. Okay, Pastor Kay, you've you've reiterated that. You've told us not be unequally yoked. So what should I do as a single person? How can I go about finding somebody who is right for me, who is saved? Well... I'm going to come to that in a moment. Tell the person next to you, be patient. I'm going to get there. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. But before I do that, I want to talk about a mistake that I see people who are in relationships and who are engaged make. And here's the mistake that they make. Acting married before they're married. Acting married before they are married. Now think about this. I want everybody in here to imagine that you're single, okay? If you're single, sorry, that's not hard, okay? If you're not single, I hope it will be hard for you to imagine it, okay? Some of you like PK, I've been imagining it, you don't want to know, okay? I don't want to know, all right? I want you to imagine you're single and I want you to imagine that you are dating and getting to know somebody that you like and everything is right with them. Okay, there's no red flags. Everything is going well. Imagine that for a moment. And then you happen to be out on a date 
when they see one of their friends walking by and they stop that friend and they speak to that friend and they say, hey, how you doing? And they say, let me introduce you to my partner. Okay? You hear it and you think, partner, well, we're just getting to know each other, but okay, I let that one slide. <laughs> then the next time you're with them, they get a phone call, they're speaking to somebody on the phone and they're like, you know what? I'm going to call you back because I'm just out with my mister or I'm out with my missus. What are you going to think about that? You're going to think, hold on a second, let's not jump the gun. We're still getting to know each other, right? So you can't be referring to me as your partner or your mister or your missus because we're not there yet. We're getting to know each other to see whether we're right for each other. But do you know that as crazy as that sounds, that's exactly what people do when they're in a relationship or they're engaged. They act married and here's some of the ways in which they do it. They acquire assets together in the same name, in the joint name, as if they're one when they're not one. So they'll get cars together, they'll get houses together, but they're not one yet. Not to mention things like sexual intimacy and sexual sin. Not to mention things like cohabiting, which is a big thing now amongst believers. And I don't know, one can say amen to that. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> and I don't know if you know or not, but aside from when you are cohabiting, putting yourself in an environment of lust and temptation, research actually shows that there is a higher chance of divorce if you cohabit before you get married. Research now goes on to say, research that came out in 2018, slash 19 now shows that for couples who do not get divorced who were cohabiting before they get married they end up unfortunately in most cases not all cases in most cases having lower levels of marital satisfaction later on down the line and there are many people who when they're in a relationship start acting married before they are married there's a scripture in first samuel chapter 16 verse 13 and it says this, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, to give you some context to that scripture, because we don't have time to read it all, David was anointed king, but he went back to tending sheep. I use this scripture to tell, to tell everybody here that is in a relationship and that is engaged, that in the same way David was anointed to be king, but didn't start acting like the king before his time and went back to shepherd and sheep. Even though you're in a relationship, even though you are engaged, don't get carried away with the euphoria of the position or the title. Go back to tending sheep. Go back to the things you ought to be doing. A lot of breakups happen at the engagement stage. And the reason why they happen at the engagement stage is because not many people balance loving with learning. So they get carried away with the euphoria of being in a relationship and then what happens is when they eventually get engaged and when the engagement comes, when the pressure of family gets involved, when the reality of the covenant they're going to step into hits them, when the tough gets going, they break up or they put that engagement on hold or they step back because the time they should have been using to learn about insecurities, to learn self-awareness, they weren't doing that. They got carried away with just being lovey-dovey. And the mistake that I see a lot of couples make is acting married before their time. You know what happens when you get a job? 
after you've done the interview, probation. They don't just say, you know what, we love the interview, now we're going to hire you. They say, we're going to hire you, but there's a two-month, three-month, six-month probation period. Do you know why? They're saying, listen, we've seen you at the interview stage, now we want to see what you're like on the job, but we now need to see you in action. It's not, it's not guaranteed. And a lot of people forget that the courting stage doesn't mean that marriage is the outcome. It's the time to see whether marriage is going to be the outcome or not. It is the probation period. Tell the person next to you, you're on probation. You better behave. And how many of you know that when you're on probation, you don't get certain benefits until you sign the contract? I'll let you interpret that as you would like. So let me talk about those of us who are married and the mistakes that I'm seeing more and more married couples make today. I want to read a scripture first from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 25, and it reads as follows. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. On the very first day of this year, so we had crossover service, then we had morning service the following morning. The very first day of this year, I stood here and I shared a sermon called Men Like Trees. How many of you were here? Handful of people, okay? You can go back and watch that online. It's a very short sermon. It's about 15 to 20 minutes long. And in that, I talk about this man and how Jesus prayed for him to see, for him, for him to have his sight restored, basically. Now, one of the things that I shared on that day was the idea that the reason why Jesus prayed for him twice is because Jesus didn't give him the full picture in one go. He gave him just a little taster in order to build his faith before giving him the full picture. Now, since then, as I continued studying this scripture and listening to commentary and teaching on this scripture, I was able to receive yet again another revelation about this scripture that we are going to apply to our marriages today. And it's this idea that actually when Jesus took this blind man and prayed for him, and this man's sight wasn't fully restored, the reason why he said, I see men like trees walking, is because actually what Jesus did was open his spiritual eyes first before he opened his natural sight Second, and I say that because in scripture we see men referenced as trees. I'll just run through a few scriptures for you, you don't need to turn to them. Psalm 52, verse 8 But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Psalm 92, verse 12 The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Matthew 7, verse 17 So, even so, every good tree bears good fruit. Is he talking about fruit? He's talking about who? People, okay? But a bad tree bears bad fruit. Revelation, revelation, not revelations. Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees. 
So in scripture, we see men referenced as trees. So what Jesus did is open up his spiritual eyes before opening up his natural eyes. And the mistake that I see a lot of people make in their marriages is that they look at their marriages through physical eyes only and not spiritual eyes first. Did you hear what I said? When marriage is an extremely spiritual thing. And what many people do is they go to the altar and they say, Lord, be the threefold cord in this marriage, but he's the first person they forget when they have challenges. They go to the altar and they say, oh, what the Lord has blessed, let no man put asunder. Forgetting that they are man also, and sometimes they are their own hindrance to their own marriage. It is so important that we look at marriage not through the physical eyes alone, but through our spiritual eyes. I think many times as believers, we forget that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's very important that we look through things through a spiritual lens. Because when you don't, you will make the spouse your enemy rather than the enemy your enemy. When you look through things through a spiritual eyes, you're able to discern, you're able to discern rather whether this is an issue to do with myself or whether this is an issue of the enemy trying to come between us. Because the enemy thrives on disunity. He will always try to cause division in a church, in a home, in families, amongst friends. That is his goal. And many a times people get into a marriage and they let their prayer slip, whether individually or as a couple, and they're not seeing things through a spiritual lens anymore. So now that I've given you enough mistakes for you to go away and think about, what are some of the things that you should be doing to promote healthy, stable relationships? Well, again, let me start with the single people. PK, you said don't be unequally yoked, but even within the body of Christ, finding someone is hard. It's not easy in these streets, as people tell me. Tell the person next to you, I hear you, bro, I hear you, sis. I actually did a survey towards the end of last year, and I asked single people, what is their biggest challenge when it comes to the area of Christian dating and relationships? And without doubt, the response was overwhelming. I didn't even expect so many people to respond, but over 240 people, the number one thing was finding someone. Finding the right person. Which means that if you're going to find the right person, you have to do two things. These are not rocket science things. These are not things that are new, but things that you might not have considered to the depth that I'm going to expand on in a moment. The first thing you must do, which is obvious, is that you must increase your exposure to people. Now, increase your exposure to people. Now, this does not mean that you need to leave your church. I hear people say, I'm leaving my church. There's no men there. No, 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 no. You don't come to church for a husband or wife. That's a byproduct of, of being in the church that you're at. In the same way, you don't say, I'm leaving the workplace. I'm leaving this job because there's no potential men or women here. No. That's not what you went to that workplace for. If you happen to meet someone, there, great. But that's not what you're there for. That doesn't mean that you need to leave the church. What it does mean is that you need to get out to more events, of course. You need to be engaged in different circles, 
with married people and unmarried people as well, because people know people. You need to put yourself in gatherings. And by the way, all of this takes energy, but I never said it wouldn't. It does take energy, but it requires energy if you want to get these things. You have to be willing to put the work in. And never be shy to ask people for recommendations. If you know people that know you well, and they know people say, hey, listen, I'm single, I'm looking. If you know anyone, feel free to make the introduction. It could mean going online dating, if you feel comfortable with that. Increase your exposure to people. Tell the person next to you, increase your exposure to people if you're single. Okay. But here's the second thing you need to do if you are single. Secondly, you need to simply understand that everybody is flawed. So choose your flaws. Okay? There is no one that is perfect out there. And whether it's subconsciously or consciously, okay, unfortunately, no, it's not even unfortunate. We have a desire within us, which is natural, to want the best for ourselves. But sometimes, as a result of that, when it comes to dating and relationships, we end up consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously, whatever consciously word you want to use, okay? <laughs> we end up looking for the most in others. And actually, everybody is flawed. And no one is going to have all of the tick boxes that you desire. So you have to be willing to say, which ones am I willing to go without and accept that and choose your flaws? Because what you like in this person that that person doesn't have, I'll tell you something, that person has something that this person doesn't have. I was speaking to a friend and she was saying to me, oh, but this guy has got to have this, he's got to have that. And I said, okay, if he has that, but then he has challenges with fidelity and with character, which one would you choose? She said, no, 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 I've got to have the, the, the character and the trust. I said, so is that more important? So I said, if you found someone with the character, are you willing enough to say, as much as I want these other things, this is what's important, so I'm willing to sacrifice those things for these things? Because you're not going to get someone that ticks all 10 boxes. And listen, sometimes you need people around you externally to help you see what you're not seeing. Because sometimes you don't realize that you want all 10 boxes and you need people on the outside who will be able to say, you know what, actually, this person or these people are okay or have you considered this? But nobody's perfect. We are all flawed. And you have to be willing to ask yourself these questions. One, are they in Christ by their fruit? Are they in Christ? When you look at their temperament, when you look at their character, when you look at their behavior, is there any difference between them and the world? What is their priorities? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, is where your heart is. That's what you've got to ask yourself. Are they in Christ? Then you have to ask yourself, are we attracted to each other? And I put the question to each other, not are you attracted to them? Because it doesn't make any sense if you're attracted to them and they're not attracted to you. Okay? So are we attracted to one another. And please, by the way, remember, no one is everyone's type, but everyone is someone's type. Okay? So you've got to ask yourself, are we attracted to each other physically, mentally, emotionally? Okay? And spiritually. And by spiritually, I mean the same values and principles. Then you have to ask yourself, if I can say yes to the first two questions, can I live with their flaws if they never changed? Because you cannot take someone to the altar to alter them. Say it again. Say it again. Okay. Can I live with their flaws 
if they never changed? And if you can say yes to all those questions, knowing that there's no serious moral or character issues there to do with abuse, addictions and those kind of things, then everything else is workable. You just have to be willing to put the work in. Whoever you get with is going to be work. Choose your work. It's as simple as that, okay? So what about those of us that are in a relationship? And let me hurry, hurry along for, for time purposes. What can we learn? What can we do if we're in a relationship? Well, if you're in a relationship, I want to encourage you to do two things. Observe and grow. Someone say observe. observe. Someone say grow. grow. Now, this is a little bit of a giveaway if your partner is here or happens to go to the same church as you. Because what I'm telling you to observe, they're obviously going to hear, okay? When I talk about observing, I'm not talking about observing their behavior towards you. Because the reality is, and I'm going to use those words again, consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously, is that whether we like it or not, we will always learn somewhere, somehow, to show a side to us that we want people to see when we want them to see that side, okay? Social media is just an example of that. The picture that you're liking was the 20 second attempt. Yeah? There's no light, it's too dark. No, that's sticking out from there, my best side. What you're liking is the finished product, okay? But you didn't see the attempts before because they wanted to show you a particular side. It's like when you go for a job interview and you just need a job. Because you just need the money. And they ask you, why do you want to work here? Um, because I believe in the vision and the mission of this company and the ecosystems that you value. In your head, you're thinking, I just want a job. Just give me a job, okay? All right? But you put on that side for them to see what they want to see, okay? And it's the same when it comes to relationships. We put on a particular side that we want our partner to see. So what you need to do is observe their long-term relationships with their friends, with their family, and with their long-term colleagues, because that they cannot fake. And let me tell you something. When you're around their friends, their family, their long-term colleagues, they are telling you things about that person without them telling you things about that person. They are making comments. They are making comments about their character, their behavior. They are saying things that if you open your ears of the sermon, will give you a better understanding about this person. Because what you hear from those people is going to be an indication of what you're going to experience in your marriage should you get married to them. And don't think that you can change it. And don't think that you can change them. Okay? So have your ear to the ground to observe and see what they are saying. Someone say, observe. observe. But also you want to grow with that person. You want to spend time understanding each other's communication styles. You want to spend time understanding each other's love languages. And it's funny because love languages is something that a lot of people talk about, but it's not the, other, it's not the only language that exists. The same people that did the love languages are the same people that did the anger languages. So go and do the anger languages together and understand your anger, your temperament, and how you do that. There's the, um, what other ones have we done? Apology language, which is a big thing. So go and understand these things so that you can grow in your understanding 
of one another. I would encourage you also to speak to couples so you can get a realistic expectation of marriage. And I would also encourage you when you are engaged to use self-awareness to build on the strength of your relationship. And what I mean by that is start asking yourself questions that get you thinking about why you behave the way you do. So when you're out with that person and something gets you angry, ask yourself, what was the root of that anger? And then share it and then ask the other person if they get angry in similar situations and how they deal with anger. And when you start to observe your own behavior and build your self-awareness, and then you begin to share that with your partner, you begin to build that emotional connection and bond because now you're dealing with beyond surface level things and the things that will come out in your marriage, whether you speak about them or not. And it doesn't always have to be deep, but it's always good sometimes to look at what people say about you or to ask yourself questions as to why you responded in a particular way. Why is this upsetting me? Why is this getting me down? And the more and more you can think about it, the more and more you can understand it and process it with the person that you're engaged to. And you can talk about it together and you can talk about how they deal with those kind of things as well. And that will help you build your emotional connection. You don't want to be in a place, and I'm not saying you know all the answers, but you don't want to be in a place where the answer to all your questions are, I don't know. Why, do, why does that trigger, I don't know. Take some time to know. Take some time to do some inner searching and some inner healing to know those things about yourself. First Corinthians 10, verse 12, is my last scripture that I want to give to you today. And this is for those of us that are married. And I'm going to take a few more minutes and I'm going to close because my time is up. So for those of us that are married, what would I encourage you to do? First Corinthians 10, verse 12 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I want to encourage you, if you're here and you're married, to guard your marriage. Guard against complacency, which is this whole idea of thinking that you've arrived. There's so much more work you have to put in when you're married compared to when you were dating that person or in a relationship with a person. And complacency will hinder that. So guard against complacency. Oh, they should know I should love them. When's the last time you told them that you love them? Because when you don't guard against complacency, you're not as inquisitive as you should be, and you end up to the, you get to the point where you stop dating your spouse. You get to the point where you and your spouse will even perhaps isolate yourself from wider relationships. So it's so important that we guard against complacency. I want to encourage you to learn to date one another again, to learn to surprise one another again, to do things together again, to talk about your expectations and desires so that you can journey together. I also remind people that whatever you don't continuously water will die. It's not enough to water it once. You have to continuously water it. And we should not get confused with the length of marriage equating to the level of intimacy and connection in a marriage. The two are not synonymous. You can be long-term married but have no connection. You can be short-term married and have a strong connection. And so it's so important that you are intentionally working towards building intimacy and connection by guarding against the things that threaten that.
I also want to encourage you to guard your marriage in prayer. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your spouse. Pray over your home. And in doing so, guard your heart against the plans of the enemy to come between you. Because when you're in a place of prayer, God will help you when it comes to your patience levels and he will help you when it comes to forgiveness. But whatever circumstance you find yourself in today, whether you're single and looking, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you've just come out of a relationship, whether you just recently separated, the one thing that we must all do is ensure that we heal from within. And that Relationship Matters last year, I spoke on a sermon called Just Heal. You can go back and watch that online and look at the different areas that you might need to consider where healing needs to take place in order for you to be able to have effective relationships with others. Sometimes single people turn down other single people, not because the person was wrong, but because they were not healed. And as a result of not being healed, they've missed out on opportunities that have been presented to them. Sometimes good relationships, good engagements, good marriages go through challenges and break off, not because they couldn't make it work, but because healing didn't take place. And so what I'd like us all to do, church, is I'd like us all to stand at this time. And I'd like you to take a moment to bow your heads. And just take a moment to lift your hands to heaven. And I want you to think about the areas in your life where you need to heal. I want you to think about the mistakes that we've covered that you may have made, that you need to ask God for repentance in. I want you to think about the steps that you've been encouraged to take to grow in your intimacy and connection. And I want you to take those points and those things to God in prayer in this moment. And so where you are right now, just speak to him. Speak to him about the things that have connected with you this morning. Think about the things that have crossed your heart and your mind that we might not have touched on, but has come to the surface and you've realized, you know what? I need to pray about this. Lord, forgive me. I need to pray more into my marriage. I need to pray more over my home. Lord, forgive me because yes, I'm engaged, but I've been so busy planning things and thinking about the material things that I've not put the spiritual input that I needed to put into this engagement. Yes, Lord, I'm single and I'm looking, but actually I've not put my trust in you and I've taken things into my own hands, yet your word says that I should trust in you and not lean on my own understanding. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like for all of us to put our hands down right now. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here and you're saying, I need healing, just raise your hand. We're not going to call you out. We're just going to pray for you. Thank you. You know that in order for you to have an effective relationship, in order to have an effective marriage down the line, you need healing. Just raise your hands. Father Lord, I thank you for every hand that is raised right now. For every hand across this auditorium and those watching online who are saying that they need healing in order to see their relationships, their marriages flourish. Lord, your word says that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer the God who heals every sickness, every disease. Right now, would you touch their hearts and bring about 
healing where they are hurting. Give them the strength and courage to forgive again. Give them the strength and the courage to go again, to try again. Give them the strength and the courage to not be faced by life's disappointments alone, but to take courage in your word, knowing that you are a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. That they may believe again and have hope again in this area of dating and relationships and marriage. May your healing power move right now in their hearts. Thank you, Lord. Would you just embrace his healing power right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.